You are listening to the Batter Ready Podcast with Aaron McManus and my father, Erwin McManus. It is so good to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2021? 2021. You beat me to it. Oh, I'm so excited. Here we are. I'm so excited. This is a good week. This is the first day we are back. It feels like it's been a year. It feels like it's been a year. It's been a year. This time last year, we were headed to Stockholm, London, Amsterdam, Copenhagen. Uh, this time last year, we lived in the free world. We lived in the free world. It was such a good world. Oh, we're starting. We're going right into the <laughs> politics of it all, aren't we, Brian? No, no, no. Are this you is, mic'd up back there? Or no. <laughs> this is not. This is not the politics of it. This is the um, the painful psychological loss of getting to travel to all the beautiful, amazing places in the world to see all of our friends, to uh, uh, be on this great adventure called life. Yes. But we're not here to lament what we've lost. We are here to celebrate what we've gained and what is ahead of us. We've gained some <laughs> weight. That in 2020, we gained some weight. I'm trying to and drop it. 2021, I'm going to work out more. I came so... Uh, I was very careful... I wanted to make sure that when I finished 2020, I weighed less than when I started 2020, and I did barely by a pound. That's good. <laughs> I don't weigh myself. I just go by feeling, and I'm feeling large. <laughs> I'm not large, but it's all relative. I'm feeling large to my relative skinny nature, but I'm, 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 um, I'm lifting more. I'm working out more. I've ordered some weights. So here we go. We're getting into this. But we're, we're, I'm excited to start this new year. I'm excited that we get to do this together. I am too. We, it, you know, you, you, you kind of, you give um, our team at Mosaic a little bit of time off towards the end of the year. We usually, do during the holidays. Usually yeah. it's like a work from home and then be at, you know, Christmas Eve and Christmas or whatever kind of gatherings we're doing. This year's a bit different. Um, and so, you know, it took me about a week to just refuse to not work. And then I was like, okay, finally, I'm going to take some time off. But now but, we are back in it. But our production team was really smart because most of them went out of town so that you could not call them back I in know. to work. <laughs> I, every time I'd be like, are you guys back? I'd be like, hey, man, ha Merry Christmas. When are you back in town? Oh, not for like another four days. Okay, well, say hi to the fam. They were, they were probably in Riverside they pretending all, they were in Wyoming. <laughs> I promise you Austin never left L.A. He, those are old photos. He was he was posting old photos. But, you know, you might want to check, you know, the, the, the culture if everybody has to leave the state to make sure that they can't get called yeah, into work. Yeah, you must have set up a tough culture to work for then. Yeah, that must be me. Thankfully, work for you. Um, so here we are, 2021, battle ready. What are some, like, the questions that everyone asks each other is obviously, what are your New Year's resolutions? I don't really do New Year's resolutions because I just don't really think it's fair to myself to establish <laughs> something I'm going to fail on day one of the new year. But, you know, one of the more, like, I don't know if the right word is trendy, but um, okay. instead of using New Year's resolutions, a lot of people are going with that one word, you know, like John Gordon really pushes the one word and a lot of other people. Uh, the one word for the new year thing. Yeah. And he, he always sends me a text, you know, what's your one word? And then he starts feeling bad that he's guilting me because I don't usually have one yeah. for a while. And this year I picked two words because I said what my- What are your two words? Uh, nothing wasted. Those are my two words because I started- He really got him with that one. Oh. Bamboozled. <laughs> and uh, well, for some people that's one word, so- <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one phrase. It's, it's one, one phrase. phrase. Yeah. And the reason I picked it is because I started seeing all of these phrases coming out in the last few days about uh, out of here, 2020, 
um, all these really snarky kind of jaded quotes about 2020 and, and, uh, and people are putting them on shirts and t-shirts and sweatshirts. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I thought, wow, Beyonce, Beyonce even did a middle finger 2020 chain. Did you yeah, see that one? So, so everyone's basically in a very negative mode toward 2020. Yeah. And so that reinforced to me how much the declaration of nothing wasted is such an important thing because if all you can do to 2020 is give it the finger, you're not leaving better. No. You're, you're, you're not leaving with growth, um, with change, with development. You haven't elevated yourself. And so I wanted to re-engage that conversation and saying, hey, if all you're doing is waving goodbye to 2020 saying, man, glad you're gone. And, and I'm not saying that we're not glad 2020 is gone, yeah. but you need to be careful not to bring in the negative side of 2020 into 2021 or the year will not be different. Well, I think, it's, it's, I think a lot of people are holding on to bitterness in 2020. I think don't let mm-hmm. 2020 have caused bitterness in your soul or in your mind. I know that my biggest hurdle of 2020 was this overwhelming feeling of fear. Because mm. I was watching the news every day, and I was watching Como, and I was watching Newsom, and I was watching, and like they're not bad people. Everyone is trying to react in the in the in in the space that they could. Everyone is doing their best. I yeah. do believe everyone is doing their best. Yeah. But watching the news every day it didn't matter who you were watching, whether it's the mm-hmm. the right to the left. Everyone was overwhelmed with this sense of the world is ending. We are all going to die. This <laughs> virus is going to kill us all. Protect your family. Protect yourself. Protect your grandmother. And and I'm not going to take that with me in 2021 because we're in California, we're in Los Angeles, and not much has really changed for us. If anything, we're more shut down than we've ever been. Yeah, it, it, we're not going into 2021 with a Free. high sense of optimism. Right, or uh, freedom. I, right, because our president-elect, uh, Joe Biden, said... Um, I forgot, he's our president. When does uh, that officially happen? Uh, January 20th, right? 20th, yep. yep. The 20th. Yep. And uh, unless, of course, you ask. <laughs> I wasn't a diss. I just first <laughs> Trump. I've been watching but... <laughs> so much of the West Wing. I thought our president was, was Jed Bartlett. <laughs> and so it was a better world. But um, They're about the same. But I think President-elect uh, Biden said, I can't remember the exact quote, but something about the worst is still to come. What was mm-hmm. the exact phrase? Uh, I'll have to look it up. But he's definitely, he said there are darker days ahead. Yeah, he said the darkest there... days are ahead. Mm-hmm. Which is what Fauci says, too. Which is with who? Fauci. Well, just especially Fauci's after the holidays. Fauci's going to end up being like a pasta. But why do we things. listen so much to someone who's not an elected official? And um, Maybe we should trust them more. What? Trust them more? That Because they're not you, elected. So would you carry that over to the Queen of England? Yeah. A non-elected <laughs> official? Okay. <laughs> and We're going to mute Her Majesty. <laughs> but, um, but when you when you come out with the declaration, the darkest days are ahead it can create a deep sense of despair for people. Yes. Ironically, even if the darkest days are ahead. And I honestly and, wish you could mute people on the internet. Yeah. Like not just mute, because like, you can do that on Instagram, you can mute people. But I wonder if like you could just erase those pre- people's voices from the internet all together, like just for myself. Right. No, but my whole point is, you, you have people... You're ignoring it, but I, who would do... I would mute. Who would you mute? <laughs> I don't know. Keep going, keep going. It's not about... Meeting. What I'm saying is that there's a momentum of 2020 that can be carried into 2021, and the the environment hasn't changed. It's got maybe gotten worse. It has gotten worse. We've yeah. already established that. Yeah, and so we're in LA, and the lockdown is more intense. Uh, the threatening even more extreme lockdowns. Right. There. Um, 
we're being told that the darkest days are still ahead. We are, we're being uh, told that our hospitals are jam-packed, that people are dying at an unprecedented rate, uh, that there's a new strain of COVID. And, and so all, what I am saying is, if you think 2020 is going to be better because the circumstances are going to change, yeah. you're probably mistaken. Right. So the only way 2020 is going, 2021 is going to be better than 2020 is if there's a change in us because it doesn't look like there's gonna be a change in our circumstances. Right. So how do we bring the kind of changes that make 2021 a new year, a better year? I don't know, stop watching the news. That's my <laughs> point with the muting people. And that, no, but you said it's not about muting people, but okay. I, do think, I do think it is about muting people. I do think sometimes we need to, I do, I do think there are two key factors to making mm-hmm. 2020 better than 2020. It's who do we allow to speak into our lives? Yes. And I think in 2020, in the last 10 years of like pod, a podcast-driven society, a blog-driven mm-hmm. society, an Instagram scroll-driven society where we're constantly intaking this social narrative mm-hmm. of whatever the culture, news, politics, world media decides to um, feed us, mm-hmm. right? And, and I do think there is something to... To, to say about who we listen to, who we allow in our lives, in our mental space. And also I think it's what is the internal narrative, the internal self-talk mm-hmm. that we're having with ourselves each and every day. So who is having the conversation with us and who are we looking in the mirror having the conversation with? Because I, I was having this like setting in some parameters. I was talking with like, a, like, a, like a, I've just been talking with friends and like seeing social media, like people talking about New Year's resolutions, I texted a few friends, like what are yours? And I don't really ask like what theirs are, but they ask me and then I'll kind of reciprocate. Mm-hmm. I didn't put, I didn't, I don't have New Year's resolutions as much as I have New Year's parameters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm setting like little gates in my head mm-hmm. of like, like, like security checkpoints mm-hmm. of like, okay, these are some like healthy things and these are some unhealthy things. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I can't eat pizza three days in a row and expect to have a good feeling the next day. You know, you know what I mean? Like I need to work out when I wake up in the morning. And one of the things was like, I need to get up and like actually spend, like I'm a, I'm a believer. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. So like when I wake up in the morning, how am I expected to, to, to lead or to know, to have like peace, to know what I'm saying if I don't even know what God's saying to me? Mm-hmm. So like I need to establish a few things in my life before I, I get to the office or get to a workspace or mm-hmm. work with other people. Because so I think at 2020 I was kind of like we were burning the, f- the burning burning what is it burning the fuse at both ends burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. And in 2020 I felt like we were surviving. <laughs> you know we were we we were surviving to make mosaic work. We were surviving to 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 figure out like our own health, our own space, our own you know, everything it was, our family units. And now I'm like, okay, we're past survival. We survived. Mm-hmm. Whether whether we're gonna have darker days ahead, well, you could that's a very like ominous, manipulative statement. Because of course it's gonna be darker days ahead. But there's also gonna be days with more light. Mm-hmm. And that is a statement that is like half the glass half full or the glass half empty. Look, wh- whether it's half full or half empty, there's only half the glass. So we've yeah. got to figure out what we wanna how we wanna see it. Mm-hmm. Does this change the way we interact with people? Yes. Does it change the way we do church? Yes. Does it change the way we do this podcast? Uh, not really, actually. I think the things I'm changing in 2021 are mostly how what I'm taking in and what how I'm talking to myself, hmm. right? Because I think how, what I'm taking in will affect how I talk to myself and how I talk to myself will affect how I talk to other people. Right, because the mute button not only has to work to the voices outside of you, 
the mute button has to work for the voices inside of you. I hit mute on a couple voices inside of me that weren't speaking positive things. <laughs> and like, yeah. I love when people, po like I, I love meaning I hate when people post like, you need to cut those unhealthy people out of your life. I'm like, sometimes you need to cut yourself out of your own <laughs> life. Because you, because sometimes we are the our worst enemies. And I think before we cut out other people, like, can we, you have to cut other people out of your life when you're incapable of standing up to those people. Mm -hmm. Because if you, if, if you can't be who you are inside, externally, internally, and take it to the external, mm -hmm. then you're not strong enough to really cut those people out. We ghost people because we're not strong enough to have conversations with other people, right? So I'm like, how do we, how do we, how do we change that? How do we alter that? Well, I, I want to maybe say it in a different direction. Not all conversations are worth having. Okay. Like, because, you know, we live in this world of social media and thousands of people want to engage you in a conversation. And 99.9% .9 of those conversations, you just you should just let die. Right. Because they're not conversations that are going to take you where you need to go or take them where they need to go. And it's really having healthy conversations with the people that matter in your life. And, and if you cut out everyone in your life who, quote, is a negative voice, you might be actually cutting out the people who are the most important voices in your life yeah. at the same time. It really does build and breed a culture of only hearing what you want to hear. And that is something you need to be really careful of. And so when people say that, like, cut out the negative voices and, like, maybe get stronger and have harder conversations with people around you. Or let the critique elevate your way of thinking. Sure, it's the right? same thing. Yeah. 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 That's the third step. <laughs> Refinery. <laughs> let, 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 let the critique elevate your thinking. Yeah. And, and, and so some of it is, I think what we're really trying to paint a picture of is 2021 may not be easier. It may actually be different because it's harder. When have we ever known the next year to be easier than the last year? <laughs> it's like a figment of our imagination. Isn't that the whole 1950s? What? It was, well, it, I wasn't there. No, no, but it's like every TV show, every day was so easy. Yeah, every day was so easy. <laughs> it was Leave it to Beaver, you know. It was well, I think <laughs> it's, the, it's the American dream that is like bred, you know, a stagnant, mm -hmm. apathetic culture. Well, it was just... Minimal, minimal crisis. And it's kind of ironic when you think about the TV shows that depicted an American way of life while other people were struggling and fighting and yeah. dealing with racism and dealing with violence and dealing with poverty. Yeah. But on TV, we had such an innocuous view of what it meant to live in America. It was this American dream of, of, of simplicity and ease. But you look at a lot of those suburbs that were mm -hmm. built in that, they're dying. Yeah, you you the, the grind of the city also brings a renewal, you know. And you look at you can go to places and you know where people are really hard workers. I don't think I don't think the goal of life is to make things simpler and easier. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. I I, I actually struggle with this because I do think there is there is that there is a simplicity and an ease that you want to achieve in life, and, and you work to have freedom. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, like, I love work. So whenever we go to places where, you know, work isn't a primary function, I get really <laughs> bored. Because there's something exciting about people who are generating new things and new ideas and new concepts. So 2021 for me is really exciting. If anything, mm -hmm. more exciting than 2020. Because I think I went in 2020 going, it's going to be easier than 2019. And that was definitely wrong. 
And now I'm like, <laughs> now I know 2021 is going to be hard, but I can like throw some things out, mm-hmm. take out the trash before I get to 2021. Yeah. And so if the new world is just harder. Yeah. With more limitations and um, more obstacles, then we as a species just need to become more resilient and more creative, more adaptive. Okay. And, and so this year, the mindsets that we bring this year are maybe the most important ever. And um, Well, you gave a message on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this and um, you, you don't have a relationship with God yet, or maybe you do, and, and, and maybe you don't go to Mosaic, or maybe you do, and you're still, fi- or maybe you don't, and you're figuring it out. But you, you gave a message at Mosaic on Sunday, mm-hmm. and that the future belongs to the bold. Right. But it, but it really is like a testament that, that talk. And if you're a part of Mosaic, or if you're not, or you're just listening, um, at Mosaic, mosaic.org slash live is the church that we're both a part of. And this, the, every Sunday in January, we're playing, we're playing, uh, uh, like we're playing the hits. That's what we've called the it. We're playing of. the hits, the best yeah. of. So the best of the last decade of your talks. But I didn't pick them. You didn't pick them. We <laughs> picked them. Did we, did we put the fractals one in there? Conference? No, I, I did not allow. Oh, we didn't. We didn't allow the 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 the, the conference no, talks. No, no, no. I I'm saving all my talks on physics and metaphysics for a different series. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Anyways, we're playing the hits. Um, the future belongs to the bold. But this is what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. The future belongs to those who actually actually want to build it. Yeah. And and when when people, this is a very controversial topic. So I'm not going mm-hmm. to the politics of this. I'm just using this as a general metaphor. Mm-hmm. When the British came to the United States, I think they were expecting a better life. But in reality, it was a much harder life. Mm-hmm. They had to build something from scratch. Right. And so I look at it and I'm going, okay, 2021, if we're taking only ourselves into 2021, what are we building from scratch? But then you brought this up. You've always said Los Angeles is the epicenter of the future. Yes. That's why I came here 30 years ago. With the internet that didn't exist 30 years ago. Or maybe it did. I'm not sure. Let's ask Al Gore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Just have to find your way to slip in a little <laughs> snark. <laughs> Don't mean it. I can, I need to make fun of more Republicans. In due time. Uh, in, in due time. We'll, we'll Brian, your job is to give Aaron stupid quotes from Republicans so that he can make fun of them <laughs> on the Battery Podcast. I don't think they're, we have enough time. I don't oh, think, yeah. <laughs> genuinely don't think there is. Well, you'll have so many. <laughs> There's an hour-long tape of our president. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, we don't need to get into uh, that. Oh, we don't need to get into that. By the way... Um, don't stop listening if you're offended <laughs> by Brian. I've really enjoyed the time that I got to interact with Al Gore. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just razzing. I'm just going to name drop right now. Me and, me and Al, you know, we sat together for a few hours at an few event. environmentally friendly waters. <laughs> and I found them to be incredibly intelligent and thoughtful and gracious. Yeah, it's so wild that like, because what was his documentary? An Inconvenient Truth. Inconvenient Truth. It must have been really inconvenient to fly a private jet destroying the environment while you were talking about environmentally friendly <laughs> documentary. So inconvenient. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not, I'm not even knocking it. I jet, like, how else would you get around? Mm-hmm. Except for that private plane. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about the issues. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> for, for, for the long, for you've always said, and you've written about this for the last mm-hmm. 30 years, and you've talked about this, that the, the, the future of the world 
you felt like LA was the epicenter of the future of the world. Yeah, that the world does not move through history at the same pace. No. And so a part of the way you can know that is when you travel, you can, you can go from New York to Iowa and... And literally time travel into the past. And you're definitely tra traveling back in time. And some of you come from other places on our team here. And even if you drive to Riverside, you're, you're, you're now 50 years in the past. Or if you drive into um, Central California, yeah. it's a different time in history. Yeah. And when you, Kim goes to see her family in the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, it's definitely a different uh, time in history. Now, if you go to the Middle East, it's a different time in history. And... and and I think sometimes what we don't understand from a geopolitical perspective is that the whole world isn't experiencing history that we did. So when you, you go see, to Japan, you go to Tokyo, when you're... you see the conflict, let's say between Pakistan and India, uh, and you see people dancing in the streets when they have a successful nuclear experiment, we're cringing because um, we think, how in the world could they? think that that was a, a positive thing, except that we thought it was a positive thing 70 years ago, and they're in a different time in history than we are. And and so a huge part of the world's conflict isn't just about uh, different cultures, it's about different eras in history. That's an interesting idea in and of itself, because if you're saying that we're time travelers, we're looking mm -hmm. at a culture, and a lot of cultures see that power equates to ability to destroy. Yeah. Right? And wow, I mean, that's it, a very, very ominous thought. Because thought, yeah. why would, else would we rejoice for the nuclear capabilities, mm -hmm. to have nuclear capabilities other than we are now able to destroy in equal mm -hmm. fashion? And, 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 but, but I want to go back to it. I want to stick to this. Future belongs to the bold. Right. The future of humanity so, was the epicenter of Los Angeles. So for me, a huge part that drove me in my um, 20s was looking at the world not from a geographic map, but from a um, chronological map, like where is the future coming from? What are the epicenters of human engagement that are actually creating the future that the rest of civilization is moving toward? And, and, and you can see this in like broad strokes when, when electricity is finally harnessed and and the world begins to light up. I mean, you can look at the, if we could go out in space before there was light, you would see a dark planet mm -hmm. in the middle of the night. And then little by little, you would see the world lighting up across Europe and across uh, North America. And then you'd begin to see those lights emerge. And you could, and by following the lights, you could see the future emerging across the planet. And what's hard for us to imagine is that there are places in the world that are still dark. Uh, you know, Kim and her team work in Malawi, and um, and where she works with all these tribes, there is still no electricity. And it's hard for us to conceptualize a part of the world without electricity. But that's the reality of the world they live in because they've not yet moved into that phase of... of technological advancement. Uh, technological advancement. So the future is still waiting for them. But for us, it's the past. It's the deep past. It's not the recent past. It's the long past. And there are places in the world that have not yet moved into that. So when we came to LA 30 years ago, I had already been coming for a decade before that. I had made the assessment that Los Angeles was the capital of the future and that, that the future of the world was disproportionately affected by whatever was created, invented in Los Angeles. 
and that the distribution system for that future was film and television. And that so media was the singular um, vehicle that drove the future toward the culture that would emerge. And so you could see this where a Japanese teenager was more like a teenager in L.A. than like their parents. I mean, how do you explain that ac across the planet, someone is more like someone in Los Angeles than the parents who raised them? But it's because they're watching Hannah Montana. And, uh, well, let's use a better example than that. No, I'm talking about like the 20, 30 years ago. The Hamilton was what, 10 years, 15 years ago? I don't know, how many years ago? 15. Yeah, 15, yeah. yeah. Well, but no, no, what would it have been? How, how, do you, how do you explain that, like, Michael Jordan in, there's people, kids wearing Michael Jordan t-shirts in Africa and in Japan and in Europe and in Asia, but basketball was barely on in the U.S. It right. was only on in the U.S., how do you explain that? Yeah, and but you have to realize like culture travels. Yes, and it becomes idealized. And so I, I think years ago when I first traveled to Australia, I discovered the number one show in Australia was Friends. And I'm going, how can an American TV show be the number one show in Australia? And it's it's because our culture is seeping across the world. And if you look at um, places across the world, you realize that like that American culture, you know, and was being um, exported across the world through film and television, and and then you and even as you watch film, you realize, oh, it's not just entertaining me; it's informing me. It's giving me an image of what the future should be like, and that has shifted dramatically because the moment the internet became a reality around 1999, year 2000, and then you have all these musicians and all these filmmakers and all uh, this media being created in a more democratic way. Mm. So now Hollywood is no longer the tight fist controlling media. We call it social media, but it's media. And so now it's the whole world engaging in a democratic conversation. It's flatlined. You no longer have Scorsese and Spielberg and Tarantino and Howard deciding what stories are being told to the whole world. It's some 12-year-old kid or some 8-year-old kid playing with toys who now has millions of followers Yeah, and, and is so already crazy. a multimillionaire. Multi-multi-millionaire. He's, he's like 20, 30 million a year, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. What were you doing with me in my childhood? I'm sorry. You're such an underachiever. At six, you could have been a multimillionaire taking care of your parents. So, okay, so you, you talked about the fact that culture transcends, U.S. culture transcends the world. But why? So you're saying L.A. was the epicenter because of film and television. Dominantly, yes. Dominant. Okay, so what would, what would be the, the subdominant? It, it, that film and television was the medium that got it out there. But the creative energy, the imagination, the, the power of storytelling was actually the, uh, the material that began to change people's minds. Because it's such an interesting idea, right, that Friends was shot in Burbank, <laughs> but it was a reflection of New York City and, what is it, five or six different friends living in apartments across the, the hall from each other mm -hmm. and having this, like, dialogue. But that is what makes that fountain in New York, in Washington Square Park in New York City so iconic. Was that a show in Burbank, which is not iconic, <laughs> was shot and it tra transferred around the world. Or even just like the Chicago Bulls. Chicago is an amazing city. Mm -hmm. But no one, would no one would pick Chicago 
over I mean now they would because of the Chicago Bulls right. but most people were choosing New York City or Los Angeles I guess for the Midwest you go to Chicago mm-hmm. right but but it's such an interesting thing like like this idea that Milwaukee will have massive influence in 10 15 years because the Greek freak has played there for the last 6 you know, like we have these cultural icons around the globe. Or that the Houston Rockets are what the number one team in China. Yeah. Because Yao Ming. <laughs> because Yao Ming was there 20 years ago. Yeah. And then they've just continually picked great stars mm-hmm. to kind of project across the world. How do we... So, so, that, so, so with that yeah. said, being said, is the future... I'm going to read it. Where does the future come from now? Because well, if if... if with with quarantine, with COVID, well, with the internet initially, it started to shift things mm-hmm. because you had this kid, and I don't know where that Ryan kid is that opens toys um, is, but <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's in his living room or with his parents in some random mm-hmm. inanimate place that doesn't need to be LA or New York or Chicago or Tokyo or doesn't need to be a major city. We can have massive influence from a village. Yeah, absolutely. It's just how you tell the story. Yes, and, and I, I think that that for me, raises such a, a powerful question in 2021, where does the future come from? Where, um, what are the unexpected places from which our most ideal selves will emerge? And, um, and I don't know if I have a concrete answer. I just think that the question should be asked because we need to be paying attention to what's happening um, across the world. And I, I do know where it's not coming from. It's not coming from any place that is hopeless. And because the future always comes from hope. You know, we have this driving narrative of a dystopian future, uh, of a world where everything goes bad, where everything is destroyed. And the future does not come from the imagination of a person who cannot imagine a better future than a past. And that's not a future. Do you think it's why the Bezos and the Jobs and the Zuckerbergs all find themselves to be at the top of the like economic food chain in a way? That it's people who are innovating, making life better than it, more than it is, you know, the the people can talk about the conspiracies and the, the whatever they're controlling. Mm-hmm. The, but you're like, Bill Gates changed the world. Bezos made shipping easy. Like, they're, they're, they're like our ability to access, to connect, to interact and the speed in which we do so have been changed by five people. Like electric cars, the idea that we are, like we were watching The West Wing, that's something <laughs> that me and you have gone into over the holidays. Yes. And, and, but it's really interesting because a lot of the issues they're dealing with 20 years ago, it was 20 years ago now, yeah? yeah. Are they're dealing with now. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, 20 years ago, we, I was a child. <laughs> and now it's, it, I'm an adult and, and with childlike tendencies. <laughs> And, but, but it is interesting to, to watch the narrative and how it's kind of grown that like mm-hmm. they were having an ethanol conversation or was it going to be electric cars? And, and they like, talked about a virus being the greatest threat to human existence. In, in, is, Aaron Zorkin was way ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time. Or maybe he was right on time and we were all behind not paying attention. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Mm. But with that, like they were, they were dreaming about the future that we're now living in. And you can, you can talk about you know, technological advancement on two hands, with 10 mm-hmm. people who, I mean, there's teams of hundreds and hundreds of thousands, but 10 people who've been key figures in, in advancing the world. 
where did these people come from? They're not all in LA. They're not all in New York. They're not all in these major cities. Now they might be, but they weren't initially. So I do really think the future can come from anywhere. It's how you tell the story. It's how you're, what you're bringing to the overall narrative of humanity. And I think that's what matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what a lot of times politicians or, or even scientists do not understand is a dystopian picture of the future doesn't motivate human change. And if you look at it, even during the uh, debates, um, one of the statements that was basically building our view of environmentalism was that we have 10 years before we have catastrophic and irreversible climate change devastation. And in other words, the world is going to end unless everything changes in the next 10 years, which has been said now for many decades. And the reason that doesn't motivate people is the moment they go, oh, well, in 10 years, it's all over anyway. So why even try? A dystopian narrative doesn't actually move people toward positive change. No, I know it. But it's also why Biden's statement, they're going to be darker days ahead, does not actually bode well for him. It doesn't bode well for us. And in terms of it doesn't motivate the right actions because fear becomes self-protective and, and even self-indulgent. If, it, if it's all ending, I might as well just do whatever I want to do. It doesn't actually ironically move people toward a higher ideal. It's, it's that, that sense of hope. It's that picture that says, this is what we can do together to make the world better. This is how we can create a better future. That's what pulls people in and that's what motivates them. And, and so ironically, in the middle of hopelessness, that one person who has a declaration of hope, who finds a way to bring hope into their environment, that person has more cultural power than people could ever expect. It's like the power that Mandela actually did have in the middle of a hopeless scenario, the power that Gandhi had in the power in the middle of a hopeless scenario. It's, it's, it's the ability to find hope in the middle of everyone else's uh, declarations of doom, that's what actually creates the better future. And, and so the future can come from LA, but it's not going to be um, because we paint a better picture of the end of everything. It's going to be if we can begin to inspire people to a higher way of living and caring and, um, and serving one another. And, and that, for me, is exciting because I feel like mosaic can be an epicenter where the future comes from because we're going to always be a voice of hope to the world. That's also something we've, something we've talked about for years and more and more over this last year. So the, re the reality is that you can create the future anywhere now. And that's really exciting. Yeah, but, but the future created out of Idaho isn't secondary, but it... But I do feel that the, the smaller towns, the rural areas, will be able to sustain the future, but they will still look to the cities. Because mm -hmm. if you go to Tokyo, you're ye even from L.A., you're years ahead of, of L.A. In so many ways, Tokyo is and if you, uh, yeah, a, a, a clear epicenter of the future. You go to Paris, you go to Singapore. It feels like the more east you go, <laughs> the, the, the more advanced things are, the more avant-garde in certain areas. L.A. Is, is the medium in which— You mean the more west you go because Tokyo is west of us. Well, I'm going, I'm going the other way. <laughs> I'm going future and time. Yeah, I like find time it— Time increases. Yeah, I, well, I, I think, go west, I think the more east you go, New York, London— 
in Europe, it's it's actually more connected to the past and to the future. Well, I, I would agree, but they're like our trends in New York that don't come to LA mm -hmm. because of the landscape of the city. But then there's things that happen in LA, like you look at the technological boom out of the West Coast. Like the West Coast has created so much of the future. Yeah, Seattle is an epicenter of the future. And But we talk a lot about like how connected Seattle and San Francisco and Los Angeles really yeah. are with, with interchangeable cities. Mm -hmm. And I really do think that the future can be built anywhere now. It's where you, it's where, it's, it's where we decide to come together and have those moments. Because we've been looking like, where, like we always look like, where do you go? If LA becomes desolate, <laughs> you know, and we're like, well, we could go there, but there's literally nothing there. <laughs> so is the future created where there are, is density? The future is created where there is peculiar, a specific density. Okay. Like, um, because if you look at it, well, yes. The city, the future is created where there's density. It, 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 it seems to be inescapable. For some reason, cities become an incubator yeah. for creativity, innovation, for pioneering, for invention. What is it about it? What is it about it? Well, I, I think that one is that people who move towards cities by choice tend to be people who want to be in the epicenter of whatever is emerging. Hmm. And people who tend to move outside of cities tend to want a little more of a paced, safe, um, comfortable life. So do you believe that- It's about when, values. When innovators leave the city, do you feel like they stop being innovative? Not anymore, okay. necessarily, because the world is changing. And, and so the, the internet's changing the way that people socialize, the way people interact, the way people, the way people engage. And, um, but yeah, cities have always been the incubators for the future. It's inescapable. And, and you can track human history based on what cities emerge and what cities become predominant across the world. So you can create the future from anywhere, but it's still gonna be created out of Los Angeles. <laughs> well, no, see, I don't think that should be assumed because there were cities that once were the epicenters, Rome, Athens, mm -hmm. and uh, Istanbul, Constantinople, which those cities were once the epicenter of the future, and they are now dominantly remnants of the past. So we should never assume that just because we're the epicenter of the future today, today that it will be so tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You, um, you have to keep pioneering, creating, inventing, discovering, risking, or you lose that. It's not, it's not something that's endowed to you. It's not a birthright. You have to always right. fight for the future. Right. So interesting. So you can yeah. say what you were going to say. I just wanted to lock you into an answer. Yeah, no, I know. I can't remember what I was going to say now. Sorry. <laughs> no, Sorry, I messed no, up. It's, no, no, it's actually, that's a good, that's a really good question. But and can we can we edit that in like properly? Yeah, like where I'm not being t completely disrespectful. Oh no, I don't mind that part. No, I do. I mind it. I don't yeah. like it. But you got to answer the questions. But I also know you have a lot to say on some things because this is old stuff. This is stuff you talked about in Unstoppable Force. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I think it's important to talk about the cities and the density issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is an interesting dynamic. You, a Tesla needs an Edison, and an right. Edison needs a Tesla. Right. 
So a part of the density of it is that it seems that genius needs genius to spark itself to its highest level of invention and creativity. And I think that the drive of cities and the, the cities that pull in creativity, innovation, uh, genius, they, they create the right kind of incubators from which the future emerges. Mm. And in that, that's why my brain was like glitching because the world is changing so much. And, and there are people trying to create those kind of incubators in places like Utah and Wyoming and, and trying to convince the great minds and the great pioneers, the great entrepreneurs to move into the same communities together to create almost those kind of like renaissance kind of environments. And, I mean, the renaissance in, in, in many ways happened because all of these creative geniuses came together and, uh, and Rome and Paris became epicenters of creativity and imagination and genius. Um, but then you start looking and going, wait a minute, are they just reflections of a future that once existed? Or are they genuinely creating the future that humanity needs? It's mm. amazing. Yeah. So for every oh, this is a concept we've talked mm -hmm. about for the last couple of years, and I did want to talk about this. Mm -hmm. For mosaic, we've talked about this. That, yes. That for the longest time, you know, we would we, you would establish a church in a new city. Mm -hmm. You had to find the right team. You had to find the right talent, the right mm -hmm. people, people with the heart for it, people with the ability to do it. You know, now you can have a mosaic presence in any city that there's, there's someone willing to have a mosaic presence. Mm -hmm. That's right. There's, there's tons of cities without mosaics, but now they can be inhabited by people who aren't necessarily leaders in mosaic, but they're people who are willing and wanting to have a space there. Does this change the ability to and the value system because there's so many cities we wouldn't go to mm -hmm. you know what i mean like they we, we maybe aren't like driven to go to like well, i don't know i don't want to listen to, but like yeah. a city that's in the country mm -hmm. but now when there's someone that's there and is like i'm listening to mosaic each week and i have 15 friends come over to my house i'm like cool you're mosaic <laughs> yeah but it, it, it some of it is mosaic doesn't fit every culture like because not everyone wants a church that it's that has a culture of dynamic change and innovation right. and high creativity and high innovation and uh, and shameless engagement in the most intellectual and um, philosophical conversations of an unbelieving world. A lot of people want a church that fits like a more traditional culture that is more predictable. That's more, you know, where the pastor would solid. never start a high luxury brand. Right, that would just be way out of their their um, um, their mindset of the way the church should operate. Right, and so mosaic doesn't fit everywhere, but there are clusters around the world where a lot of creatives and innovators and entrepreneurs and and highly intuitive thinkers, more organic uh, thinkers, wish there was a community where they could come together, and that's where really there is a need for mosaic. And, you, you know, and so I think that's a part of what we're discovering is the internet, the, the, the technological revolution has connected those people to us at a level that uh, was never possible before. And, and ironically, a lot of those people go to other churches where they live because it's, it's the, 
a, a beautiful, healthy church, but it doesn't really express the way they think, the way they see, the way they live, the way they create. So yeah. they stay connected to Mosaic. And um, and we've encouraged people to do that for years and years and years. Yeah. Uh, now we're finding people are clustering together. And, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. They're finding each other. Yeah. So, I mean, it does, a week doesn't go by when someone's going to ask me, please let us do a mosaic in Chicago and New York. Let's have a mosaic in London. Let's have a mosaic in Paris. I mean, every week that happens. And, um, and it's exciting to me. I wish we could go to all those cities. And we can now. now. Now we're already in those cities. And that's yeah. how we need to change our minds, right? You're, yeah. you're like, Dad, we're already there. Yeah, we're already there. We just need to find a way maybe to um, create a little um, stickiness. stickiness to it. And yeah. consolidation, which is exciting. It is exciting. So the future comes, well, from the bold, yeah. from those who will have the courage to believe in a better world, who can, who have the courage to create a better world, and who will not let those who are holding on to the past because of fear keep them from creating that new world. Remember, the world that the the world that humanity needs is not wanted by humanity; it's needed by humanity, mm. and. If you're creating what people want, you're probably not creating what people need. Mm. And, uh, and for whatever reason, Christianity is a culture that clings to the past rather than creates the future. Yeah. And, and so we the became, we, uh, yeah, keep going. Keep so going. the church becomes incredibly resistant to the new things that, that God is doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, there's this um, assessment called the Strength Finder, and it gives you kind of like your top talents. And my number one strength is something called futuristic. And my number two strength is something called ideation. So that means I have a thousand ideas about the future. And I would say that the dominant Christian culture, especially in America and in Europe, is actually restorative uh, and based on uh, things like belief, um, the they would tend to hold on to the past. They would tend to hold on to the one or two things that are solid for them and would fear innovation and change. And, and I can tell you, I've had many conversations and, you know, with God going, I don't really fit into the culture of this faith that you brought me into. And I think the reality is that God is always calling people out to create the future. And they rarely are the ones who are um, celebrated by those who hold on to the past. But if you're holding on to the past, I can assure you, you're not creating the future. So you kind of have to decide whether you're going to live in regret of what's been lost or live in celebration of what um, is gained. Mm, Love it. I think with that, we can wrap this thing up. This is an amazing first episode. I love that it's so hopeful. I, I really am, am excited to dive into the next year of this podcast together and, and, and really get into to, to seeing what we do. I know we're going to have an interview with a friend of yours on Thursday, um, and I know that we're going to do some fun things this year, so I'm really excited. There's going to be more merch releases. Oh, you have um, some new merch coming out today. I do. Well, if this plays, if we're, if this plays tomorrow... Or Tuesday, we're gonna release merch on Friday. Okay, on, on Friday. Friday. So Friday, whatever the date is, we're gonna release some new stuff. Check out the batteriepodcast.com. I think there's gonna be a website by Friday. I'm not sure. We we're, do have a website. We do. I don't know where it goes. I think it goes to his website, and then it goes to the. We're gonna figure this all out. 
check the Instagram Bad Ready Podcast. So if you're listening, you get to be a part of the beginning of all these wonderful things. All the new things. We're getting legit over here. We're getting official. Yes. Um, you can follow us at Bad Ready Podcast on Instagram. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Rate and review it. It's super important to us. It helps us. It makes it easier for people to find us um, and give us, you know, however many stars you feel is appropriate. Uh, I like five. Um, five. So instead of having New Year's resolutions... Yes. Instead of having expectations. Right. Maybe you should sit down and write two or three ways you're going to make the future better. I love that. Not just about you, just about the world around you. World around you. Yeah. And if you're going like, I don't know how to make the, all of humanity better, pick one person. How about you? Make the, the human that is you better. Make the, and, then, and then don't <laughs> be a greedy little, you know, 2021 person. <laughs> Pick one other person in your life that you can make their life better. That'd be beautiful. Find two ways. So two ways you can make yourself better, two ways you can make, and not you change them, you serve them. Ooh, good right? difference. Because I, I think we all want to go and be like, if you like it, knock, 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 I so could make you, you better. you want to be one of Aaron's two people that he serves to make your no, life I've better? No, I've made her better for the last 10 years. <laughs> she, she is fine. She's fine. Um, okay. See you next week or see you on Friday, Bad Ready Podcast. All right. All right. Hey, it's great uh, to start the new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right. Bye. Here we go.